Welcome to the Academic Veterinarian Podcast with Dr. Nuno Carrero, where we explore career opportunities and discuss contemporary topics within the field of veterinary and animal science. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Ed Carlson. Ed's a certified veterinary technician and also holds a veterinary technician specialty in nutrition. He's here to talk to us about the veterinary technician profession and his current role as director of veterinary nursing education at Vet Bloom. Ed is also the current president of the Massachusetts Veterinary Technician Association. And in 2019, he was the recipient of the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America Technician of the Year Award an organization of which he's the current president. Ed, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks very much for inviting me. I'm really excited to talk about my profession. Great to have you here. Um, I think I got all, if not most of your current titles in the introduction, but I hope you're not holding out on me. (laughs) No, I think you did fine. Um, There are a few other things that I I do in veterinary medicine for veterinary technicians and associations, but uh, those are the kind of the major highlights, I would say. So. Yeah, Major, I'm so glad to have you as a guest on today um, because I think you just are a great example of the veterinary technician profession and what you're capable of of accomplishing um, in this profession. So I'm I'm glad to have you here. I'd like to get into your background and how you got into veterinary medicine. But before we do that, I think it's important that we start off by just talking about what is a veterinary technician or veterinary nurse and kind of taking some time to describe that for maybe the people uh, that are listening that I'm not so sure yet of what um, that terminology means. Sure. So, yeah, thank you for all that. Um, So I guess from my perspective, I'd like to start with kind of defining a veterinary assistant. A veterinary assistant doesn't have a the education that a veterinary technician would or a credential veterinary technician would, um, and doesn't hold that degree as well as that credential. Um, and they provide more support to the veterinary healthcare team um, with doing things like um, restraint of animals, um, cleaning, restocking, helping with sterilization, a lot of those types of tasks that don't require a more advanced education and training. Then some of those individuals then go on to uh, really continue their education to become a veterinary technician. So up until recently in um, most in some states at least, um, education and an actual college degree wasn't required to become credentialed as a veterinary technician. And that's one of the things that I feel strongly that we need to change in our profession. We can talk about that maybe a little bit more um, when we talk about credentialing. Um, But really, in today's um, environment in veterinary medicine, a veterinary technician um, is a credentialed individual, meaning they hold a license of some sort or certification um, as a veterinary technician. Veterinary nurse, we can talk about the veterinary nurse initiative in a few moments as well. Um, Really, at this point, no one really knows exactly how that varies from a veterinary technician or even if it does. 
But um, really the term started being used more so to better help describe actually what those in my profession do. We really do provide nursing care. We do a few other things as well, like you know, taking radiographs and uh, working in a lab setting and, and those types of things as well. Even within um, the veterinary hospital, not even talking about outside careers, uh, but really back many years ago when the first, uh, the term veterinary technician started to be used, we really didn't have as much technology, if you will. And so it kind of made sense, um, at least to some people at that point. But over the last 30 to 40 years, we've realized that much of the general public and sometimes even within uh, veterinary medicine itself, people don't understand what a veterinary technician does. Right. So we really are like the registered nurses of veterinary medicine. And, and so when you use that analogy, I think people can imagine what that role is more like. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why some of us in the profession feel like moving towards a, a terminology change as well as an actual credential change to registered veterinary nurse would be something that would definitely help the profession. Because again, so many people feel um, at this point that technician refers to, you know, someone that's working on machinery or within technology, right, for um, kind of the computer age and, and that kind of thing. And in fact, um, one instructor of a veterinary nursing program that I spoke with recently um, that had changed their program and their um, degree name from veterinary technology to veterinary nursing said that they were having less people contact them um, for getting information about the program that um, were thinking that it really was more about like a computer-based veterinary something, right? And that uh, maybe they were going to be doing things with telemedicine or um, the hospital information systems and that kind of thing as a veterinary technician versus now knowing that it really nursing refers more to kind of that medical connotation. Right. So as we um, as we grapple with that terminology, we can come back and talk about the veterinary nursing initiative a little bit later. But is it fair to say for the purposes of, of um, our, our discussion today that we can use the, the term veterinary technician and nurse interchangeably? I would say we can. Yes, absolutely. So long as we're talking about that individual and not about that credential, because currently there are four different credentials for veterinary technicians in the United States. There isn't an actual credential for a veterinary nurse in the US or Canada, but most of the rest of the world that has organized veterinary technology and veterinary nursing does use the, the credential as well as the terminology of veterinary nurse. That's great. And you bring up a good point is that veterinary technician has been the traditional term used here in the United States versus the rest of much of the rest of the world, like Europe, Australia, um, it's veterinary nurse. So it even gets a little more uh, complex when you start talking, uh, you know, across borders and, and across the world with colleagues. Exactly. And and really just how, how society has changed. So originally, um, what we now have as veterinary technicians were actually referred to as animal health technicians. Um, and we didn't have even the word veterinary within our, our title um, or our profession. Um, and then, gosh, many years ago now, that was changed to veterinary technician. So time for change. 
Yeah, time for a change. Well, thanks for, um, for for clarifying that. And we'll talk about that some more. But as far as the actual role, you, you began to speak a, a little bit more about that. Let's think about maybe general practice, because that's where most people are going to encounter a, veterinary, a credential veterinary technician. Uh, sometimes it's one of the first people that clients encounter. Sure. Um, when they go into an exam room and, and talk to a veterinary professional, it tends to be a veterinary technician. Um, so kind of talk to us and, and describe that role. Like what is the day-to-day for a veterinary technician in that role in private practice? Yeah, so if we're talking about general practice, more kind of as your, you know, your regular doctor, so to speak, um, I think that varies from specialty medicine and emergency medicine to some degree, but it's all very similar, right? You, you touched on, you know, greeting clients, taking a history, um, performing the diagnostics, um, educating clients, uh, doing a lot of the different procedures. And that's, again, where a area where many people don't really understand that really our veterinarians are the doctors, right? And doctors of veterinary medicine. So they need to be doing their prognosing, diagnosing, prescribing, and performing surgery. If it's not one of those four things, a credential veterinary technician should be the one that is doing the other things. So working with the public in veterinary hospitals, you know, and being in an exam room, for example, you know, I sometimes might have the the owner say, oh, gee, I'd really rather have the, the doctor draw the blood or put in the catheter or, or the IV catheter or whatever it may be. And oftentimes I'll be working with veterinarians. I'd be like, no, you really don't because he does this all the time and I don't anymore because that's not my role, right? And so it's helping to educate clients about really our role. I also then working in uh, veterinary medicine for so long, oftentimes have clients say things like, oh, gee, you know, when are you going to vet school or whatever? It's like, no, this isn't a, a stepping stone for me. For some individuals, it might be, and that's fine. But for many of us, this really is our chosen career. Um, I think you brought up some uh, really good points that I like to touch on. And that uh, first is you're right. I mean, I'm a veterinarian. And I feel like I have a role and the veterinary technician has a role. We're part of a team, right? And I cannot function without a vet tech. The vet tech can't function without me. Right. And they are much better at some skills than I am, honestly. They just are. Like you said, my role is to diagnose, prognose, uh, prescribe. Uh, but every uh, just about everything else a technician can do. And I would rather that they do it. Like right. you said, you know, drawing the blood placing catheters, you know, that catheter in like the eight month, uh, the, the eight week old little puppy with small veins. Um, I mean, there's just that technical skill, which veterinarians may not do on a day to day, but veterinary technicians do, and they can be so great at it. Um, you know, I kind of pass it off to them to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is something again, that has evolved over time. And part of that really does go to that educational component, right? So if we think back to any type of organized medicine, whether we're talking about human medicine, dentistry, whatever, it all started basically with, um, you know, an apprenticeship type model or whatever, or even just experimentation of let's, let's try this and see how it works. And then luckily, um, not only did we kind of graduate away from kind of that experimentation phase, but also got into actually, you know, organized um, education at a college level, right? And then requiring a degree and requiring passing a national exam to have a license to practice these things. And and that has been the, the case with 
human nurses, physicians, veterinarians, um, with dentists, dental hygienists, all of those types of of medical uh, field. But that's not always the case in in veterinary technicians, um, especially, as I've said, in, in some states. But it's even even in the states where it has been required for 10 or 20 years, that's very really a short period of time in comparison to the other medical professionals. And so um, oftentimes veterinarians of a different generation, slightly older than you, maybe slightly older than me. And for those of you who aren't there, you can't see how gray I am. So I'm really an old man. Um, really, those individuals grew up with people that didn't have any education and formal education, and they were taught completely on the job. And so sometimes trusting that eight hour old kitten for that has this tidy little vein for a technician to, to place a catheter might not have been what they were going to do at that point. But now, um, as you said, my profession has come so far that we are the ones that really can have that skill and proficiency to be able to do those things. Yeah. Ed, and, and part of, I mean, I've seen, I've, kind of grown up with it. Um, maybe I don't look that old, but I, um, you know, I started out as a uncredentialed technician, just like, you know, back in the day, that's how it happened. I, you know, the high school kid came in and got trained on the job and you kind of uh, did those functions. Um, but something that you mentioned as the profession has grown is veterinary technicians taking ownership of the profession has been a really big deal in, in growing the profession and and, and getting these educational requirements out there. So one thing that you said was that technicians often say, or um, somebody will say to a technician, well, when are you going to vet school or when is the next step? And I think you're absolutely right. Um, for, for many vet techs, that is, that is their career. Exactly. Um, and I can appreciate that because I've worked with so many passionate, dedicated veterinary technicians that they you know, this is what they love to do. This is what they're skilled at. And they're very, very good at it. And I am so glad to have them on the team. And so I think um, that's been a really big change over the last, say, even 20, 25 years as the profession has grown, if you would agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the first veterinary hospitals that I worked in I don't know, 35 years ago, maybe, or something. I mean, the, the doctor drew the blood, the doctor induced anesthesia. Um, but then again, none of our patients had IV catheters. I mean, they hospitalized animals for the most part got subcute fluids, um, and maybe an injection of an antibiotic, whether they needed it or not. Um, and so it was very different time frame than it is today. Um, not only um, has veterinary medicine grown, just as medicine in general has, and we have so many different specialties and have come so far in um, our knowledge base um, and our education, but also um, things have changed with our pets. You know, when I was growing up, oftentimes people had that outdoor cat or that outdoor dog and it was just part of the family animal or whatever, versus these animals that we have today that are living in our homes, sleeping in our beds, part of our family. Um, so our clients want a higher level of medicine for their four-legged family members right and so we need to be able to provide that for them exactly and that i mean it's really the demand right you know we have demand from clients for this higher level of care and because of that you need you know more educated people in the profession not only veterinarians but now you know veterinary technicians and nurses that are credentialed and have the education to back it up so 
how did you first become interested in veterinary medicine? How did you get into the field? You know, it's one of those things I think that we all come into this with some type of a, a love of animals, right? And then um, I think that oftentimes people in, in veterinary medicine, in particular veterinary technicians, um, can tend to be more introverted. Uh, and so you start to think that, oh, I want to work with animals, but I don't want to work with the people. So that's a whole other podcast that we could do because obviously none of these animals come with their own credit card. They have someone attached to the other under the leash of the carrier that we need to interact with. And as a young technician, I just wanted to work with the animals, right? As I grew got more experience, got more education, um, and much more confidence, I realized that big part of my role needed to be working with the clients, helping to educate them, helping to make them understand um, why something was important so that you be compliant with what the veterinarian was prescribing, right? Um, so that's really my role. So really, again, just starting off, um, I started in 4-H um, with uh, showing dogs and started to teach them obedience and, and things like that. Um, and really, again, it was so long ago, I didn't graduate from an AVA accredited uh, veterinary technology program. Um, I became credentialed through an alternate route that was available back a million years ago. Um, and I'm a big proponent for those days are over. We need to move our profession forward and do need to have um, an educational process to, to be able to, to, to do that. Um, and so my role or my, my journey was a little bit different in, than it would be today, perhaps, but started again working in a small general practice, um, learning on the job, um, went to um, a specialty practice, an emergency practice where technicians, uh, education, and just education of the entire staff was really important. Um, and having outlined technician protocols um, that um, people learned and took quizzes on and did hands-on experience. And back many years ago, that was almost like an internal type of certification um, type program that the, the organization had put in place. And um, that was really helpful to me. And so then I continued on with going to much more continuing education, taking other classes and things like that, and eventually did sit for the VTNE and pass that uh, to become a credential technician um, in Massachusetts. Um, and then uh, has since become credentialed um, as well in um, New Hampshire and Connecticut. Um, and then went a little bit different route in some ways. Well, I guess, let me back up for a moment. Sure. Back then, back when I started in veterinary medicine, really the role of veterinary technician really was more like being the veterinary assistant. And then we started to do more and more things. Um, as, as I grew and my skill set grew and the profession grew. But then it got to a point where um, we started to say, well, the only other place for technicians to grow was really into like a supervisory role or a management type role or whatever. So, you know, the specialty hospital that I um, was working at didn't actually have any technician supervisors at one point. And so they decided, oh, gee, we need to do that. And oftentimes it was the people that um, had more advanced skills um, or were considered um, the higher level technicians, so to speak, um, that would be encouraged to go down that management route, which 
I did, and I managed a hospital. I managed a couple of hospitals as a technician um, lead or the techni- head technician and those kinds of things. And in fact, managed a hospital as a hospital manager and overseeing the veterinarians as well as um, the, the support staff. And then realized that isn't what I want to do. You know, and that was okay, um, but it took a little bit of realization that I needed to come back to being a technician and teaching and working with clients to really be happy. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, management does take you away. Um, I've had opportunities in, in, in my career to, to manage, but then it takes you away from the clients, the patients, and the medicine, right. which is kind of what, you know, a lot of us are passionate about in the first place. Right. So I totally get that. So I'm really excited that now there's so many other opportunities for veterinary technicians. So as I said, I managed a a large hospital um, for a few years and I felt like, you know what, I'm not happy doing this. I don't feel like I'm good at it. Um, And I think that kind of all goes together when you're really happy with something that you're doing, enjoy what you're doing, passionate about what you're doing, you do a better job at it and you're more fulfilled. Um, and I got to a point where I really didn't like what I was doing. And so um, going back and saying, you know what, I, I'm i out. I don't want to do this management route anymore. Um, I went back and, and helped start a um, internal medicine service at this specialty hospital. Um, and it was a good, good fit for me and that we didn't have this service there. So we had an internist coming in that, you know, she knew the medicine part and putting that part together, right? But I knew the systems within the organization. I knew the referring community. So we made a good team. Um, and that's where I worked on my nutrition specialty um, and realized how much as a technician I could be so valuable to um, client education, to compliance, and really making such a big difference um, with our clients. Um, yeah, so at, at this point, um, like you said, you, you took a path to a, becoming a credentialed veterinary technician that nowadays is, is really not as common. Right. It was um, you kind of got grandfathered in, so to speak. I don't know if that's the correct term, but let's 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 dissect a little bit of the educational requirements again. Sure. Um, Nowadays, education wise, most prospective students or um, wanting to to become a credential veterinary technician would start off by maybe going to to school. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. So. Um, most states require graduation from um, an ABMA accredited program, the um, American Association. No, how does that work? American, Vet- American Veterinary Medical Association. American Veterinary Medical Association approved program, um, either a two year or four year veterinary technology or veterinary nursing degree. Upon passing uh, or graduating, rather, then being eligible to sit for the veterinary technician national exam or the VTNE, and then passing of that, um, then you're eligible to submit for your either license or certification, registration, whatever it's called in your particular state to become a credential technician. Um, yeah, so the, the AVMA kind of oversees these educational, the, the accreditation of these educational programs, which are all over the United States. Many are at community colleges, some are at universities, um, two-year or four-year programs. And um, once you graduate, then you can sit for that VTNE, which is the Veterinary Technician 
National Exam, which is run by the American Association of Veterinary State Boards. And for people that are listening and want more information, you can visit aavsb.org, um, aavsb.org for more information on on that exam. Um, and then you also mentioned that you know the credentialing in every state is um, is a little bit different, and the and the, the actual title might might be a little bit different. So here in Massachusetts, where we are, um, I introduced you as a certified veterinary technician. So that's a CVT. That's correct. And so in Massachusetts, though, currently there's no requirement to have a credential to work as a veterinary technician or to be called a veterinary technician. Um, and so the credentialing, again, is voluntary and it's done through the um, Technician Association. So the Massachusetts Veterinary Technician Association in our state. There are some other states where there is a legal requirement to have a credential um, and some of those can still be called certified veterinary technicians, but instead of the state association being the one that issues that credential, it's the state. And then yet in other states, it's registered veterinary technician, um, again, by the state. Um, in other states, it is licensed veterinary technician um, or LVT. And in one state, Tennessee, it is actually licensed veterinary medical technician. Oh wow, I didn't I didn't know about the Tennessee one, but um, I you know was definitely familiar with LVT in in front of the name, RVT in front of the name, and CVT. So for for our listeners, um, if you uh, if a credentialed veterinary technician introduces themselves and you see the name tag and you see LVT, RVT, CVT, that means they've gone through that process, correct? The educational background, the passing of the national board exam, and then the credentialing within that state. Exactly. Yeah, which, you know, we should take this opportunity just to say that it's really important to highlight how well educated our credential technicians are, the time commitment that they've taken uh, to be educated and to really gain the skills necessary uh, to take care of that cat, dog, or uh, whatever else, um, a whole sleuth of, of, of different species. So... Like I said, as a veterinarian, I consider the veterinary technician or nurse uh, a critical part of the team. Uh, I've been a veterinary technician educator, and as I tell my students, I'm only the best veterinarian <laughs> when I have a great technician next to me. I, like seriously, I feel I feel alone when I don't have that technical help, that that support, not only from a technician but even front office staff. When we all together are working as a team, then we can all be at our best and serve our clients the best and serve our patients the best. Absolutely. And it really is a whole veterinary healthcare team. I look at it. This is the front desk staff. I feel strongly that in addition to the front desk staff, there really should be veterinary assistants um, at all hospitals that are helping to support the veterinary technicians. And the veterinary technicians then are also then helping to support the veterinarians. And we're all working at the top of our education and credential um, so that, again, we can have veterinarians performing the skills and um, the, using their knowledge for the things that they need to do. If I have a veterinary assistant that's able to support me, then I can work at the top of my game without having to worry about, am I going to then go hold another animal for someone else as a veterinary 
credential veterinary technician to place that catheter or whatever. It shouldn't take two of us working on a stable patient um, with that type of credentialing. Or do I have to worry about um, this patient that I'm taking care of? And oh, by the way, we don't have any more towels. So I need to run out and do the laundry and those kinds of things. Not that I can't do those things or I'm beyond doing those things or whatever you want to call it, but it's just, that shouldn't be my role. Um, I should be working at the top of my game as much as I should be just as our veterinary, um, veterinarians should be. Yeah. Right. And you know, all of this that we're describing just provides more efficiency for the practice and efficient practice is, 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 you know, is good for, for a business. Um, the better run business, I think everyone, uh, will will benefit not only the employees but also our clients our customers um, absolutely so. and starting as a veterinary assistant is a great starting point um, within my role currently um, I've created a veterinary um, assistant program um, that we have individuals come into our hospitals um, it's a great place to learn what is working in a veterinary hospital all about because it's not for everyone. And so rather than going to school to become a technician or a veterinarian and then realizing, oh, maybe this isn't really what I want to do, starting as a veterinary assistant is a great place to start. Um, And then you can decide, do I want to continue? And if I want to continue, which kind of pathway do I want to take? Do I want to be the nurse or do I want to be the doctor? No, that's some that's some really great advice. Um, you know, of course, I teach at University of Massachusetts, and we have incoming uh, students into our program, and they're at that phase. They're at that phase of, you know, they know they want to work in vet and animal science, but what role do I want to take on? So right. I think that's a great, um, great idea, great advice to start off as a veterinary assistant, because then the roles of veterinary technician and veterinary um, and veterinarian are really different. They are, you know, you know, there are things that we share. There are things, you know, we're part of the same thing, team. Uh, We share a lot of the same skills, but the roles are very different. So you need a different educational path. Exactly. Um, And so here's an opportunity to go from, say, veterinary assistant. So you decide to then to pursue veterinary technology. You go ahead and do that. But even within veterinary technology, there are many more opportunities for growth. And you mentioned that you decided to pursue a veterinary technician specialty. Can you just talk a little bit about, uh, give us an overview of, of what is a veterinary technician specialty? Yeah, so um, if you think about, um, you know, veterinarians as well as human physicians, and you have your general practitioner, and then you have um, people who have specialized, have done a residency um, under a board certified um, veterinarian um, within our, our industry, I guess. And uh, then they go on to take an exam and, and those types of things to become a specialist, right? A board certified specialist. And so really what NAFTA did um, was to develop a same type of um, kind of pathway for veterinary technicians. That's a little different um, than, um, than our veterinary counterparts, but basically having a, a role for technicians who want to, as myself, want to work with nutrition, or maybe it's you want to work with emergency critical care and specialize there. And so for a technician, um, there's 16 different specialties that are, are recognized currently by NAFTA. And um, what it boils down to basically, because they're all a little bit different. Each of them is, is sets up their their own um, specific criteria, um, so long as it meets within the, the guidelines that NAFTA has has put up together. Um, and so for a, for a technician, it's either 
graduating from an AVMA accredited program and becoming credentialed um, and having been credentialed for at least three years before you can even start to work on your specialty. Um, and then from there, it's a year long process uh, to put together your application. And again, it all is going to vary a little bit dependent on specialty, but in general, it's putting together um, in the course of that year, here's a, um, a document that outlines um, at least 40 to 50 cases that pertain to my specialty that I've worked on in conjunction with a veterinarian um, and my role in that. So I have a whole case log of these probably 40 to 50 um, uh, cases that we've worked on. Within that, those are cross-referenced to the skills list put out by that academy that you need these advanced skills to be a specialist in that field, as well as a knowledge list that I need some advanced knowledge um, in this field if I'm going to be a specialist. And so you're working on all of those things at the same time um, during that course of a year. From that, that log of the patients that you've been working with over the course of the year, you then need to write in-depth case reports. So in, again, it's going to vary on the number of them, but generally four or five, um, where you really need to describe what you were doing, why you were doing it, what things maybe you couldn't do because you didn't have the technology or the medication or if there was financial constraints or whatever it is explaining this is what I would have liked to have done but we couldn't because and this is what I would have expected um, or focusing on these are the things that we did do and how I was involved so that when that application then goes to the um, specialty academy um, they have um, a review process where they have multiple people then review that to say this person has met the requirements Requirements that we've set forward to um, qualify to sit for our national exam. Um, so, so each specialty will have a, a national exam that you know exactly. someone will have to pass and to, exactly. to get that credential too. Yep. Um, what was your interest in nutrition? Why nutrition? You know, I I hadn't had a big um, interest in nutrition until I started working in internal medicine, and really. I think the two go such hand in hand, really. Um, any internal medicine case, and again, when we're talking about medicine cases, we're thinking about, you know, chronic renal disease and we're diabetic animals and, you know, all types of disease processes that really do lend themselves to being managed effectively with nutrition. And so, as I mentioned, I was it was a new adventure for me working in internal medicine, right? I had done many other things, but I hadn't worked specifically in that specialty. Um, so that was one of the things that I found early on that I could make such a big difference with and really help to make the appointments go more smoothly um, and uh, you know, really a better time um, commitment from the veterinarian and I. So, you know, we'd start an appointment, you know, I'd review the referral notes and records from the, the patient patient um, as they were coming in, going to take a history. Um, and I would start thinking about what are the things that she's going to be looking for here in this patient that obviously is diabetic. Now, I can have a, um, a thought, <laughs> for lack of a better term, that this patient that we're just talking with, she's going to diagnose that this is a diabetic animal. 
I'm not going to document that in the record because it's up to the veterinarian to make that diagnosis, right? Right. I can come out of that appointment and say, I think she's going to diagnose that this animal is diabetic. What are the diets that she's going to recommend? And what is the um, amount of calories per day? And how much does that equate to the um, how many cups of this food or whatever it is? And I can start to document all of that, even on just a Word document or something, so that if that's what she wants to do, copy and paste, and I'm good to go. And we've just saved ourselves a lot of time, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I, I and this is why I love working with... Uh, you know, credentialed veterinary technicians because they almost anticipate my, you know, what what my needs are. And right. so I go into a room, I diagnose a chronic renal uh, failure kitty or a diabetic kitty. And, um, you know, I educate the client, but uh, sometimes it's it's great to have a technician kind of take over the education and yeah. and and just follow through and and explain what the diet does and why it's important to be on that diet and how it's going to control the diabetes or how it's going to maybe slow down the chronic renal failure uh, disease in the kidneys and like you said nutrition is so important when it comes to treating it's not just about medications and and surgeries but nutrition is another tool and a true belt to um uh, you know to manage many of these diseases Exactly. And so uh, going going a little further with that, it really is about starting to um, really anticipate some of the things that the veterinarian may be thinking about. And working with um, a veterinarian and being part of the team, also being um, confident and being able to say, gee, did you think about this? Or maybe would you want to try prescribing that or something? That's also the role of the technician, right? Because we're, we're helping one another and um, really being that patient advocate, um, which is so important. And then the follow-up care, which is one of the things that I feel like we don't always do quite as well as we maybe could have in veterinary medicine with really following up on a fairly routine basis. And we're all super busy, I know, but... Um, really some of these patients that is going to be long-term care with these really chronic diseases, having a, a credential technician that's really knowledgeable, that's able to check in with clients and answer their questions and, and ask them the correct questions for that disease process so that you're getting the right information can really make all the difference in compliance with the clients and how well that animal does because the, the client is compliant with what we're asking them to do. Man, that, that is just so important, that follow-up. Clients so much appreciate a phone call just to see how um, how the patient's doing. And if it, the whole team is on board, it's not just the veterinarians calling, but the credential veterinary uh, technicians calling, uh, we can cover more ground, we can get more information and provide better care. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, if, if our listeners want more information about veterinary technician specialties, uh, they can go to the NAFTA website, I believe. Is that correct, Ed? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a tab for um, specialties on the on the NAFTA website. Yeah, that's uh, N-A-V-T-A dot net, N-E-T. So if you, um, and I'll have the links in, in the show notes for people after the show. So talking about this education, so you pursued nutrition, but it's not just getting credentialed, maybe getting a veterinary technician specialty. Uh, veterinary technicians also need to keep up with their continuing education, right? And, and in many states, I mean, that's a requirement right. to to have a certain amount of 
uh, continue education hours. Can you speak a little bit more about that and how to keep your credentialing? Sure. Um, so that's, again, one of the reasons that um, I did decide that I'd like to um, pursue um, a VTS, Veterinary Technician Specialty, because um, that's one of the things that a specialist does, whether it's a veterinarian or a technician, is education, right? And so um, I speak at a lot of national conferences um, and international conferences, um, and especially now with, with COVID, it's uh, been so much easier to speak so many other places. And so I'm speaking at the, the world um, veterinary conference or something in a, in a few months as well. So it's just really crazy to be able to, to think that I'm doing all of these things, but I love teaching. And so in being able to, to help with that really is an important piece as well. So for, um, again, states are going to vary from, from state to state um, for their requirements, but um, at least here in New England, I think all of the states other than Maine um, have a requirement for like 12 continuing education credits per year um, for technicians to to be able to keep up their credential. But then also as a veterinary technician specialist, you also need to keep up your, your credential um, by doing um, not only um, continuing education with, within your specialty, but we also have kind of a point system where um, when I'm speaking or writing articles or book chapters and all of those types of things, that that all um, helps with um, keeping up my, my credentialing as well. Yeah, great. Um, and you, you mentioned you love education, love teaching. Can we talk about your current role as director at VetBloom? Yes. So um, that that really is the reason that I um, moved away from um, continuing to work in practice, actually seeing clients and patients um, in the internal medicine service is I had an opportunity to join the learning and development department of Ethos Veterinary Health. And that was, I think, one of the best career moves that I ever made because I found that I really loved that. I had already lo always loved teaching on the floor and helping others grow, whether it was technicians or sometimes new veterinarians coming out of school, um, teaching them some of the, the tricks of the trade, so to speak. But um, being How able to place to the catheter, I can tell you that, <laughs> you know, technicians taught me how to place catheters and all those wonderful skills, uh, how to draw blood, um, you know, yeah. I... I, you know, was educated by veterinary technicians in vet school and post-vet school. Absolutely. Uh, and so really joining um, learning development was was great. And as I said, I, I developed a veterinary um, assisting program that then was, um, we sent, uh, submitted an application to, to NAFTA uh, for um, their accreditation and received that so that we could have people coming in to the hospital as veterinary assistants going through this program. Um, as I mentioned before, trying to decide sometimes, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And and do I want to continue in one vein or another? But in the meantime, going through this program, being able to sit for the National uh, Approved Veterinary Assistant um, exam and having AVA after their name instead of the CVT or LVT or whatever, so Approved Veterinary Assistant. Um, and so that was really rewarding to me as well. Um, I work with uh, people who are developing continuing education um, lectures um, and workshops. Um, we also have started working um, with a few uh, 
veterinary technology programs in helping to host uh, some of their material. Um, I work with instructional designers on putting together educational material online so that, you know, the days of going online and just sitting there and reading all the time or something, you know, that's a thing of the past as well. You can have interactive things, you can have um, simulation type modules that you're working with. Um, and so that's been really exciting as well. Veterinary tech Technology and veterinary medicine really is my passion, but I do have a love for kind of um, the technology side um, as well. So working with a learning management system like this um, and kind of that computer field, even though I really don't know anything about it, I like it. And so it kind of is bringing the two worlds together. Um, and it's provided some really great opportunities for me as well. Um, when we were developing a really immersive um, program that is um, simulation based. I was working with a company that um, does that type of thing for human medicine and an anesthesiologist so that we could have, you know, this, uh, this really interactive uh, module for veterinary medicine. And I realized that then I could kind of be the interpreter, I called it, right? I don't really know enough about the technology side uh, to be an expert there. And at an anesthesiologist level, I don't, I'm not there either, but I know enough about both the technology side and the anesthesia side that I can interpret because those two professions have their own languages almost. And so when a developer was asking the anesthesiologist questions, sometimes she'd be answering a question that wasn't what they asked but they didn't know that, right? But right. I could project and be like, whoa, no, <laughs> we need to back up. This is what she meant. <laughs> Great, but it, it sounds like, you know, over your career, you know, going from like, you know, general practice, internal medicine, um, and then getting more into education, it, it seems like, you know, you've identified opportunities to grow and kind of leaped in, you know, Absolutely. And, and, and taken those. Absolutely. And so that would be the takeaway, I think, for your listeners, if they take anything from this, is that there are a lot of opportunities out there. If something seems interesting to you and you have the opportunity to pursue it, you know, do a little bit of research. But if it seems like it's something that you might want to do, give it a try. And I really do believe, even though some people say it's corny, that you really aren't failing at anything if you decide to go down a road, as I did, for example, with you know being a hospital manager and thinking, you know what, I don't like this and I want to do something else because really I am spending a lot of time at work. And so I want to be happy with what I'm doing and for feel fulfilled and passionate about what I'm doing. So let's look for something else. And for me, finding my way, so to speak, um, and trying different things, I don't regret any of it because I learned so much along the way. Um, and it was great experiences, all of it. But um, now that I've found what I love doing, um, it, it really is a passion. Yeah, no, you bring up a, a great point. And what it reminds me of, Ed, is um, when I speak with students that come in their first year at, at university and they've just had it in their heads that they want to be veterinarians. But then as they grow and learn more about the profession, there's something else that they're interested in, but they're just 
for some reason, they're afraid to let go of becoming a veterinarian. And that profession might be, you know, they might enjoy being a vet tech more. And for some reason, they just, they get, you know, stuck in that trend of, I just, I need to be, I need to be a veterinarian where, you know, like you said, you have to uh, be mature enough to know where you want to be and what you enjoy and what you're passionate about. And, and if that's veterinary technology, then then go for it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ed, you also mentioned NAFTA, and we've mentioned NAFTA. You are the current president. Uh, here in the closing minutes, would you uh, describe a little bit about NAFTA and what it is and kind of its mission? Sure. So um, NAFTA stands for the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America. And we are, um, you know, are uh, the national um, organization for veterinary technicians and veterinary nursing. Um, our mission is to advance veterinary nursing and veterinary technology. And we were the um, the catalyst behind the veterinary nurse initiative. And that's still part of, of NAFTA in that we are looking to over time, try to not only um, look to changing the titles from having four different credentials across the country, um, the CVT, RVT, LVT, LVMT, um, into RVN, Registered Veterinary Nurse, and that is not a title or a cred- actual credential yet in the United States, but at some point it will be, I'm confident, but it's probably 20 years down the road, in my opinion. Um, but also, in addition to that, which that's only one piece of the Veterinary Nurse Initiative, the other very important pieces are ensuring that there is a um, required college degree in every state to become a credential veterinary technician. And that being a credential veterinary technician, that is a, um, a protected title um, so that not just anyone can call themselves a veterinary technician, which can currently happen in many states. You can, as you mentioned before, the high school kid comes in and I'm a technician. Yesterday, I didn't even know which end of the dog bit and which one I needed to clean up after. So we need to get away from that, right? Um, And so that's part of it as well. Um, And having a scope of practice that says these are the things that only a credential veterinary technician can do other than the veterinarian, right? So a veterinarian has their scope of practice. Technicians need to have their scope of practice as well. The AAVSB that you mentioned before has a model practice act that NAFTA has in, endorsed. Um, and so we want to see moving towards that as well um, for all states. And then continuing education, as we mentioned before, because that's not required in all states now for veterinary technicians and should be. Great. Thank you for that. Very important, you know, as a professional to be involved in the organization that represents you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, wouldn't you say? Um, so for those that are listening and you're interested to learn more about NAFTA, um, the uh, the website will be in the show notes, but you can also check out veterinarynurse.org, veterinarynurse.org for more information on the veterinary, veterinary nursing initiative that Ed was just describing. So I am just so excited. Like I said, I, I've been in the profession, geez, 20 years, whatever, um, uh, and I've just seen it grow over time and by leaps and bounds. And I'm just so excited about what the next chapter will bring. Um, what do you think it will bring? What do you, th- what, ex- what's exciting to you right now? What are you looking forward to? Um, yeah. In, so- in, in, in veterinary profession. 
Gosh, there's just so many things, right? And I agree with you. You know, as I said, I've been around a long time, and I've just seen how the profession has grown. Um, and I'm really proud of the progress that we've made. And we still have a long ways to go, but um, really, you know, the things I described that the Veterinary Nurse Initiative stands for, with the standardized credentialing, the requirement for credentialing, the scope of practice, the title protection, all of those things are really important because that is one of the all of those things together are really one of the things that I feel is going to move the profession forward even more so that we can continue to do more things and even more advanced procedures, but also so that we have um, the ability to have more respect sometimes from the profession in general or from general public, um, as well as different opportunities to continue to advance financially, um, which can sometimes be a struggle for veterinary technicians as well. So I think all of those things combined, I'd really love to, to see um, happen um, in my lifetime. So. No, that's that's great. And I totally agree with you. And I think as, as veterinarians, if any veterinarians are listening, I think we need to encourage and empower our veterinary technicians. Um, you know, it's, it's from the things like we Ed and I have talked about on the show when we're, uh, you know, uh, maybe in a an exam room with a client and the client says, oh, no, I want you to draw the blood talking to the veterinarian. I think we need to empower that veterinary te technician and say, no, uh, veterinary technician here um, is, is more than capable of doing it. Um, veterinary technician can talk to you about uh, nutrition and educate you about um, how this medication and, and how this uh, diet is going to help your, your pet. So it's all about empowering uh, the people around us and the staff around us. And so it's kind of a call to arms for my fellow veterinarians to kind of help uh, support our veterinary technicians. Because like I said, I have would have not be as successful uh, without the technicians around me uh, throughout my career. So I have nothing but respect uh, for what you do and what your colleagues do day in and day out. And um, yeah, I just wish nothing but the best for the profession. Uh, well, anything else you would like to end on, Ed? I really appreciate you being here with us today and just encouraging the next generation of future veterinary professionals, whether veterinary technicians or veterinarians. Um, anything uh, you would like to end on? No, just again, thank you for having me, giving me the opportunity to hopefully inspire one or two people to at least consider what I think is the very pre best profession there is, um, which is being a veterinary technician or a veterinary nurse. And really, um, for those of you who are going down that path, um, if I can do anything to help or answer any questions, certainly reach out anytime. And I guess the closing thought again would be get involved. If you're going to be whatever profession you're going to be in, um, get involved in your state association, get involved in your national association so that you can be part of the profession and not just have a job. Thank you very much. Uh, my guest has been Ed Carlson, certified veterinary technician with a veterinary technician specialty in nutrition, also the current president of the Massachusetts uh, Veterinary Technician Association and the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America. Thanks, Ed. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Academic Veterinarian Podcast. You can find all the resources and links discussed on today's program in the episode's show notes. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, and we'd love to hear from you, so send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes to theacademicvet at gmail.com. Oh.